0: Some soul with joyous song, Press along. along to glory land, exhorting grace that saves the race. Rest song press along, press along to, to glory land letting love letting love come. god's love be your song press along press along to glory, to glory, glory land. land
1: wow i like that end didn't you wow man i'm just glad there was no glass in here No, that was great. Praise the Lord, guys. Great job. Texts today. Our text is in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7 today, verse 13 and 14. A familiar passage, probably. And if it's not, it'll be familiar before we leave it. But Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. There in the book of Matthew chapter 7, we begin reading in verse 13, the Bible simply says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for just the word of God. We thank you for the simplicity of it. We ask that you'd speak to our hearts today through this simple message. Lord, be glorified in it all. Lord, if there be any that are without Christ or teetering one way or the other, not sure which side of the coin, so to speak, they're going to land, we pray, Lord, they would choose Christ today. We ask that we that are believers would choose you all over again, so to speak, not be saved again, but, you know, Lord, to truly recognize our need to be recommitted and returned back unto you even more so than ever. We need you now. We pray that you would bless this service. May you guide my tongue, help me to say all those things which only you would have me say. May your Holy Spirit work the aisles and work the pews, so to speak. May you meet our needs as only you can. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. In this particular passage, we we're noting again that there are basically two roads to travel. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on that to begin with, but the Bible simply tells us that there's a broad way and then there is a narrow way. And they are very distinct and different from one another. Now, we live in a world today where it seems to me that people are often quick to point out what Christians are missing out on. We're missing out on so much today as believers. You know, we, we, we just don't, uh, we, we miss out on all the fun and all the excitement and all the intrigue that accompanies a sinful lifestyle. We miss out on that. At least it seems to me that that, that seems to be a common theme in the world we live in. And especially among young people and, and uh, younger adults, it, it just seems to me that, it just seems to me I'm almost scared to death to use this. If that happens one more time, I'm going to go to a mic, okay? Thank you. Um, it just seems to me that, that in our uh, world, it, everyone's telling us how much we're missing out on. Well, I wonder why they don't tell you, uh, or, or actually, what they don't tell you is that you miss out, what, what you miss out on by not indulging in the same sinful lifestyle. See, they're quick to tell you what you do miss out on, but not what you don't miss out on. And I think there needs to be some balance. See, what they don't tell you is, is what you miss out on by not indulging in that same lifestyle is, is, are certain things that go on in our world. Did you know that anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States today? They affect almost 40 million adults in the United States ages 18 and older or 18.1% of our population every year is affected by anxiety disorder. Um, People with anxiety disorder are three to five times more likely to go to a doctor and six times more likely to be hospitalized for psychiatric disorders than those who do not suffer from anxiety disorders. Now, there may be a genetic disposition that makes people more prone to that disorder. But I do know that guilt shame, and a conscience riddled with regret can equally cause anxiety. I know this for a fact. You say, how do you know? Because I've had all of them in my life. I know for a fact that with guilt and shame and a conscience riddled with regret, you can feel tremendous anxiety in your life. Now, see... I don't know, but see, I don't believe it's a coincidence today that anxiety disorders are becoming increasingly more common in our culture and in the society in which we live. Oh, I know it's not politically correct to talk about things like this, but may I say that if you look at the facts, you're going to see that all of these types of disorders are skyrocketing in the last 20 years. Now, I don't know. There seems to be a correlation to me with some things going on in our world, and one of them is we keep rejecting this book more and more in our culture and our world. Now, nobody's telling us about those things that we'll, we may be able to, uh, to miss out on some of that mess. May, it'll be healthier for us in the long run. It'll be more sound of, uh, be, help us to be more sound of mind, potentially, if we follow God's word and God's laws. See, the broad road is a very bumpy road. And it will take you as far as you allow it, so to speak. It'll take you further than you really want to go. Now, they are quick to tell you that what we're missing out on all the fun, of course, we're missing out on excitement, we're missing out on the intrigue that accompanies a sinful lifestyle, but you know, what they won't tell you is that the image they portray in the beer and alcohol ads of people living living it up and just enjoying themselves is skewed at best, and for the most part, totally inaccurate, totally inaccurate. Have you ever noticed that they most often use young people? They don't use people my age as a whole. They like to use young people. I wonder why that is. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe it just has to do with appearance, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but when I see a good-looking young guy or a good-looking young gal, to me, it seems like everything's got to be going their way. It's got to be doing just fine. But you know, the most common alcohol-related crimes, a crime in the country, is driving under the influence of alcohol. Did you know that every year around 10,000 people are involved in road collisions due to the influence of that particular substance? 10,000. That's ridiculous. Now, I don't know about you, but you know what? We got problems with gun control, they say, in our country, but more people are dying from alcohol-related problems than guns ever dreamed of hurting and harming. But we won't do nothing about that, because, see, that, that, that they tell us makes life fun and interesting and intriguing. I don't know if that bothers you, but it bothers me when I consider that 86% of homicides will be committed by individuals under the influence. That bothers me. I don't know, 40% of child abuse incidents will be connected to alcohol use or abuse, and 70% of these abusive individuals, parents, or guardians will suffer from a substance use disorder. of rapes and sexual assaults will involve offenders under the influence, and that number jumps to 90% when the abuses occur on college campuses. 65% of domestic violence incidents will be carried out by uh, uh, perpetrators who've been drinking. And basically, it equates to more than 450,000 such incidents annually. Now, I don't know about you, but when you look at the commercials in our world, they keep telling you that this Christian life that you're living is a boring life. And that you're missing out on all the fun. I don't know about you, but I'm missing out on something, but it ain't fun. Do you know that over 40, overall, 40% of all violent crimes will be alcohol-related? Boy, they are quick to tell us that we're missing out on all the fun, all the excitement, all the intrigue that accompanies a sinful lifestyle. You know, what they won't tell you is that although we have more freedom to express ourselves than ever, we're encouraged to embrace any one or more of a hundred plus genders, we're working feverishly to balance the economic playing field, we're providing aid and counsel to school-aged children like never before, redefining marriage, the home, and relationships to ensure inclusiveness and acceptance, and simply deviating from the concept of absolute truth to to, to relativism. See, what they won't tell you What they don't tell you is that from 2001 through 2017, for the total population, the total suicide rate has increased 31%. I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem like what we're doing is working. It doesn't seem like getting rid of this book has helped us at all. And you know what? They may be telling us we're missing out on all the fun, all the excitement, but can I tell you, it seems to me I'm missing out on something far worse than that. Man, at least I'm missing out on all that mess. And I'm going to tell you something. There's no doubt that believers will take their lives. I get it. And I understand that depression is a reality that we have to face and deal with. But I'm going to tell you something. When you live your life contrary to God's word and purpose for your life, it will ultimately breed depression. I'll promise you that. And I'm not saying that every situation, and I'm done with this mic. Please give me the other one. I'm not saying that that there aren't legitimate times when we need medication and we need help, and I understand that. But I promise you this, our culture and our society has bred a generation that is more more, um, fragile than ever and more incapable of processing emotion and feeling than ever. We better be careful because when you deviate from God's purpose and plan for our lives, our marriages, our homes, our relationships, you are only going to perpetuate problems mentally, emotionally, and physically in the culture we live in. And they can tell us all day long, boy, I'll tell you what, you need to get on the, the broad road. You need to live your life the way you want to live it. You need to be free to do as you please. You're missing out on all the fun. You're missing out on all the, uh, the excitement and all the intrigue of the, the, of the world that the world has to offer. My friend, I promise you, you're missing out on not just that. You're missing out on a lot of that mess too. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but it ain't a lot of fun to go through treatment. It ain't a lot of fun to have to deal with broken bones and bodies in hospitals because of drug or alcohol-induced uh, accidents. I don't know about you, but abuse isn't a very pretty thing, and yet they don't show us that stuff. All they tell you is that you're missing out on all the fun, the excitement. Oh, you're missing out on some things when you live for God. You're missing out on some things when you live like the Word of God teaches and says, and speaks about. Absolutely, you're missing out, but it isn't what they say you're missing out on. Do you realize that suicide is the second leading cause of death for ages 10 to 24? How pitiful is that? In 2017, there were more than twice as many suicides in the United States as there were homicides. Listen to that. Can I... Can I Let's keep our comments to amens, okay? Let's keep them at a normal level. I'm sorry, I want you to respond, but I don't want to be distracted. In 2017, there were more than twice as many suicides, 47,173 in the United States, as there were homicides, 19,510. I don't know about you, but I think we're majoring on the wrong things here. I think it's time we figure out why so many people are so discouraged, so down, so depressed, and so feeling so hopeless that they're willing to take their lives. But its I'm telling you right now, you're missing out on all the fun. You're missing out on all the excitement and all the intrigue of the sinful lifestyles. I'm going to tell you something. There's a problem. And I'm not saying that everybody takes their life as so much worse a sinner than we are. Don't Don't, mis- don't put words in my mouth either. But I promise you this, you go ahead and raise your family, you raise it without Jesus Christ, and you raise your family without God's word, you go ahead and deviate from God's gender purpose for your life and his real purpose for your living, and I promise you you're going to have issues that you never dreamed that you would ever have. And we're seeing a culture and a society that is being lifted up and elevated in our eyes, and it is so contrary to the word of God that we are getting the kind of consequences that we are asking for now. I'm going to tell you something. You don't you don't eat your you don't uh, have your cake and eat it too. It doesn't really work that way. There's always a price for everything we do in life. It seems to me that the only addiction that betters a person and their life is an addiction to the ministry of the saints. Take your Bible look at 1 Corinthians 16:15. 1 Corinthians 16:15 Hey, we're talking about the broad road here. The broad road. I don't know what you want for yours and your family. And I understand there are always possibilities and things we can't control every variable. But my friend, I promise you, you can control a lot of the variables if you'll take that word and you'll make it your life. Notice what it says. I beseech you, brethren. You know the house of Stephanus that it is the first fruits of a that you have that, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. You want to know what addiction is the only thing that's really healthy for you? That one. Someone says, I'm addicted to hard work. You get too addicted to hard work, it'll destroy your body. It'll wreck and ruin you. You better have balance. I'm addicted to love. Yeah, yeah. Eventually it'll turn into the wrong kind of love if you're not careful. And if it's love of self, I promise you it'll destroy you. I'm telling you the only real addiction that I see biblically that's really a positive and, and, and productive for all of us is an addiction to the ministry, to the word of God, and to his word and his ways. As we travel that broad road and we abandon the word of God, Our futures are sure to reflect that carnage. And, boy, do we see it ever changing in our world. Hey, listen, you're missing out by living the Christian life. Trust me, you are. You're missing out on all the consequences of sin in many cases. You're missing out on a very bumpy road. And that broad road is a bumpy road. You Absolutely, it's a bumpy road. Not only is it a, is the bumpy road is, is is the broad road a bumpy road but can I tell you it's a blazing it has a blazing end It's a bumpy road but it also has a blazing end I want you to turn your bible now look over to Proverbs chapter 27:20 Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. You're seeing a country reaping what it's promoting. It's destroying the next generation completely. It's ruining our future. Because we have chosen to reject God and deviate from his word. Notice not only is it a bumpy road, but it has a blazing end. Again, Proverbs 27, 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never... That is not the one I wanted. But that's a good one. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied like that one. Now turn over to Matthew 7 now, verse 13 again. Oh boy, that's not good. Um, because my whole concept was based on a biblical biblical verse, and now I'm looking, i got to make sure, I'm going to just take a minute if you would here, and now that I have a mic in my hand, it makes it a little more complicated to turn. Let's see here. I just have to look up that verse, see if I just copied it wrong or if I, oh boy, that's not good. You know, this is what I do. I, I'm so concerned about my image right now that I'm not going to go ahead and do this. 27, 20, let's see. No, that's not the right verse. See, that's the problem. I put the wrong one down. I'd like to say trust me, but you can't trust me. You can only trust the word, so we got a real problem here right now. Here's what I'm going to do, though. I'm going to turn to Matthew seven thirteen, and I'll figure out that verse later, uh, find it again. But notice what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. It says, broad is the way that leadeth to what? Now, again, the, the verse that I wanted to share with you, and I can't think off the top of my head where it's at, it, it, it takes the word destruction, and it takes the word hell, and it puts them together. Destruction and hell. What it does, it combines the two. And what it does is it's saying, okay, there's destruction and hell. They are associated. They work together. So here's the problem. In the passage, when it says that this broad road leadeth to destruction, what it's really saying is the broad road leads to hell. That's what it's really saying. Now, we don't talk a lot about hell today, do we? And and there's good reason for that. Because overall, that's considered to be very negative preaching or teaching. To talk about hell is so, you're being so critical, you're being so negative. I mean, I I looked up some articles this week and it was interesting. You know, they've often said that Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven, right? You've heard that probably from a preacher. Well, now you've got people that are going through and being very, very critical of words, breaking every little word down, every little phrase, and they're going, that's not true. He spoke more about heaven, he spoke more about a lot of things than hell. That's because we're getting so specific that we're not even seeing what the context of the passage is. I am going to tell you something. Jesus thought a lot about this. He talked a lot about it because it was important. Do you realize that there's no such thing as God's grace? There would be no reason for God's grace if there was no hell. What would we need God's grace for? If there's no punishment for sin, if there was no need for Christ in our life, what's the point? I mean, honestly, think about your own life. Think about your children. If you don't have rules in your home, what do your children do? do whatever they want. God has some rules too. But see the only thing that really makes a rule any of any value is if there's enforcement of that rule. If there's punishment when the rule is broken. See if there's no if you can live however you want and there's no consequence for that, then why go to God? Do you know how I know the Bible says we love him why? Because he what? First loved us. Can I let's let's reason that out for a minute. I love him because he first loved me is what it's saying, right? How did he show me he loves me? By dying on the cross. Why did he have to die on a cross? What, what's the big deal, right? A lot of men died on a cross. But Jesus died on a cross specifically for me to pay for my what? Sin, because if he didn't pay for it, I would have to. How do I pay for my sin? By going to a place called hell. But I can escape hell and the consequence of sin because Jesus Christ paid my penalty. He atoned for my sin. So what we find in the Bible is that when you see this broad road, the world tells you this is the road to travel. You know why? Because it's it's so much fun. It's exciting. And and, and it's so intriguing, and there's so much, so much to gain by it. No, there's so much that you can miss when you don't. And the truth is, it's a bumpy ride, but that bumpy ride doesn't end just in a grave. That bumpy ride ends in a blazing end. Hell. Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 says this, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very positive, at least not for him. It is positive for me, though, and for you if you are a child of God. So what about this place called the Lake of Fire? What about this word we often refer to as hell? I just want to characterize that word by just a few moments. I believe it's characterized by a couple of words. Here, Here they are. No relief. That's one of them. No relief. That's how hell is characterized. Turn to Luke chapter 16, verse 23. No relief. No relief. Someone says, man, it's negative. I knew if I go to a Baptist church, that's what they're going to preach is negativity, 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 negativity. My friend, if I don't preach this to you, you will die and go to a very negative place. You ain't got a better friend than me right now. In all my negativity then, if that's how you define it. But I promise you, that's not how Jesus, I don't think Jesus was a negative person. Yet he spoke a lot about hell. He spoke about hell more than I did percentage-wise. A lot more than I do. Notice what it says in Luke 16, 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now what you're going to find in this particular portion of scripture, there's nowhere where you find it deemed or, or defined as a parable. Jesus never says it's a parable. Matter of fact, it goes contrary to the rules of parables. You never find specific proper names in parables. There's a proper name here. He begins to use Lazarus. We don't see that. We see Abraham. We see Lazarus. We see him pointing out some real characters, historical characters. And he says here, and he cried and said, notice he says, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. There's no relief for this guy. I mean, he can't even get a drop of water on his tongue. And he's tormented in the flame." In Matthew 13, 50, it says, He shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. In Revelation 14, 11, And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day nor night. No rest at all. No relief. But not only is it characterized by the statement, no relief, I believe this place, hell, is characterized by No escape. No escape. Again, in Luke 16, where you already are, he he goes on to say in verse 26, and besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. What he's saying is there's this gulf, there's this this division, if you will, and you can't come over here, they can't go over there. I, I mean, not only is there no relief, but... There's no escape. You cannot get out. There's no exit signs. There's no egress plan. There's no escape, uh, escaping the confines of hell. It's just impossible. You can't. There's no back door, no underground tunnel. There's no ladder that leads up and over a wall. It's just not there. There's no escape in hell. Not only that, but there's no end. Matthew twenty five forty six. turn there, would you? Matthew 25, 46. I get it, and I understand the purpose of the church, and I know that the purpose of the church in reality is to equip the believers for the work of the ministry, really for their lives and the work. The truth is, is that the church isn't here to win all the souls on Sunday morning. It's to equip you to go out and win them and bring them in. That's really what it's about. But hold on, why does why does that even matter? Why does equipping saints, and what's the purpose of preparing you for life and enabling you to have the information you need and the, the understanding you need to be effective in reaching others with the gospel? Why? I'll tell you why. Because of a place called no hell, there's no need. Jesus, as a matter of fact, wouldn't even have had to come if there was no hell because he said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Lost where? What's that mean without hell? What's that mean without consequences? You say, well, God would have come and died on the cross and sacrificed his very, begot- his only begotten son just so I could have fellowship with him. Well, if there's no hell, why wouldn't we? If there's no consequence for sin, we already would have. It doesn't make sense. The fact is there's a place called hell, and there is no relief there. There's no escape there, and there is no end there in Matthew 25, 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. In everlasting punishment. But the righteous into life eternal. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said this. He said, in hell there's no hope. They have not even the hope of dying, the hope of being annihilated. They're forever, forever, forever lost. On every chain in hell, there's written forever. In the flames there, blaze out the words forever. Above their heads, they read forever. Their eyes are galled and their hearts are pained with the thought that it is forever. Oh, if one could tell you tonight that hell would one day be burned out and that those who were lost might be saved, there would be jubilee in hell at the very thought of it. But it cannot be. It is forever. They are cast into outer darkness. No relief, no escape, no end. Let me tell you where that leads. No hope. That's how hell's marked, that's how it's characterized. There's no hope there. No hope. A man approached a Little League baseball game one afternoon. And um, he asked the boy in the dugout what the score was, and the boy responded. He said, well, it's it's 18 to nothing, sir. 18 to nothing, we're behind. Boy, said the spectator, I bet you're discouraged. And the little boy, he said, well, why should I be discouraged? We haven't even gotten up to bat yet. (laughs) He had some hope yet, right? Now, I don't know about you, it didn't seem like a whole lot of hope, but he saw it as hope because at least they had their turn to bat. You don't get a turn to bat in hell. It's too late. I mean, it doesn't matter how behind the eight ball you feel. It doesn't matter how down in the score you are. You don't get a chance to rebound. You don't get a chance to do over. You don't get to push a button and try again. It's amazing how hope can change our perspective, isn't it? I mean, hope's a wonderful and it is an absolutely essential part of any healthy person's life. Because if you don't have any hope, you're feeling pretty unhealthy right now. Mentally, emotionally, and physically. It affects you in every area of your life. Spiritually, especially. See, the most abused prisoner can endure the most heinous atrocities if on occasion they have a sliver, just a a sliver of hope. But see, in hell there's no hope. There's only fire, torment, agony, horror. And there's the constant reminder forever. Take your Bible, turn to first John three eight, would you please? First John chapter three, verse eight. Not the big John, but the one of those little ones in the back. First John. We have this broad road, and again, the world will tell you, you're really missing out on all the fun, all the excitement and all the intrigue of a life lived in sin. I don't believe it. Boy, that life, that, that life is a bumpy road, and it is a road, sadly, that ends in a blaze. First John three eight says, "He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that He might destroy the works of the devil." Aren't you glad Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil? Let me let me let me share with you what I believe we can or how we can basically just summarize His works very quickly. Turn to John now ten ten. That's the big John. I'm not talking about John Wayne. Chapter ten, verse ten. John ten, ten. The Bible says, the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, in 1 John, we learned that the, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. I think we could summarize the works of the devil as found in John 10.10 10, when it simply says he comes but for to steal and to kill, and to destroy. If you want to know what the work of the devil is, I think it's easily found in this three-part division in that he literally comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Because ultimately, the Lord says, I come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. See, there are only two roads in which you can travel in this life. You can choose the broad road or the narrow road. And Satan is the author of the broad road. That's all there is to it. It's not a debate, there's not a question, it's just simply the reality, it is truth. Satan's only goal in your life is to steal you from God who created you. To kill any chance you have of fulfilling your God-given purpose in life. And to ultimately lead you into hell. To kill you. Not just physically, but spiritually. Now, again, let me say that. Again, his real goal, his purpose, his work in your life and in every person's life is the same. He wants to kill any, he wants to steal you from God who created you. Kill any chance you have of fulfilling your God given purpose in this life and ultimately lead you into hell. And that's true with grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, children, uncles, aunts. That's all he wants to do to them, too. Unfortunately, and often sadly, we can come to the thought or the idea that it's our choice, that we somehow, that, that it's my idea to travel this broad road that I'm on. It's I, This is what I want. This is my decision. I'm going to tell you something. You have been sorely deceived if you only understood how bumpy that road is and you may have already started to understand it a little bit and if you really, really could get a glimpse of how it's going to end in a blaze, you would say, I don't want nothing to do with that road. It's only your choice because you have been blinded by Satan. He has manipulated you into believing that you are the master of your own destiny. Oh, the devil ain't telling me what to do. I do what I want to do. No, you're not. No, you're not. We believe that we're capable of navigating life without the Creator. No wonder we No wonder we struggle in life no wonder the bible says the fear of the lord is to hate evil then but then notice what he goes on to say the lord the, the fear of the lord is to hate evil pride and arrogancy in the evil way and the froward mouth do i hate he says boy it's so arrogant it's so prideful to somehow think you can navigate your own life it's prideful for me to think that we can't do it not successfully When we fall into the trap of believing that, when we think somehow that we're capable of charting our own course and arriving at the destination of our own making, we've been deceived. Oh, I know, I know where this goes. It's a good life. It's a fun life. It's an exciting life. Uh, no, it's a bumpy road with a blazing end. That's what it is. You don't change the narrative. You don't change the end. You don't say that I'm going to make my own course. I'm going to go my own path. No, you are either on the narrow road or you are on the broad road. That's it. Each person will travel one of two ways. And that way has been established long before you were ever birthed. There's no way you get around it. There's no way you overcome it. It is what it is. You're either on the narrow road or the broad road. Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Proverbs 13, 15 assures us that this broad road is a bumpy road. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. We, We think, if we're not careful, being a Christian's hard. We think because we deny ourselves some pleasures in the world because we say no to the flesh, somehow that's so hard. Look at your loved ones, your friends and your family members who have disregarded the Bible, the truths, have embraced unscriptural truth, have allowed themselves to, to, to live their life without God. Oh, yeah, I know. You'll always find an exception to the rule. But let's get rid of the exception and let's look at the rule. Everybody knows that 93-year-old who has smoked their whole life, drank liquor, caroused around, had total disregard for doctors, and is still living. While Uncle So-and-so died at the age of 55 with lung cancer and he never smoked a cigarette. We all know that person, don't we? But that's not the rule. That's the exception. The devil likes us to run to the exceptions to prove his point. But we need only open our eyes to see how bumpy that road is. And God's word is always true. And when it says simply, the way of transgressors is hard, you can bet it's hard. Revelation 20.10 says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. It's a bumpy road with a blazing end. We all start off on this broad road. And we will travel life with its ups and downs, ultimately to end in a blazing end, hell, if we don't get off that road. But we have to be very aware that between us and hell is a cross. And that cross stands as a memorial of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have a choice to make. Will you travel on that broad road? Or will you come to the cross? Where you can get off the broad way and onto the narrow. Oh, there'll be obstacles, there'll be there'll be some challenges along the way, no doubt. I'm not saying that the Christian life is a bed of roses, but I'm telling you this, it far surpasses anything that the world offers. And may I say that when you got God on your side, you are in the majority. And I don't should understand the Christian life is the best life. It's so ridiculous, isn't it, how we conjure up ideas of what a good life is, and as believers, we think we're missing out, kind of like the psalmist in chapter 73. We're not missing out, not on at least the good things. Go ahead, find an old saint. Visit them on their deathbed after years and years of serving Jesus Christ and saying no to the flesh. Go ahead and ask them if they regret living for Jesus then. I've never had one say, boy, I wish I'd have drank. I wish I'd have got involved in immorality. I wish I'd have just gave up on God and lived my life the way I want to. I missed out on all the fun, all the excitement, and all the intrigue of a sinful life. I wish I would have lived for myself and the devil. Never once have I heard that. You'll hear that from the media. You'll hear that from stupid Hallmark shows. You'll you'll hear that from all kinds of things. By the way, I'll watch a Hallmark every once in a while, so don't get too crazy on me. (laughs) Come on now, give me a little slack. But let me tell you something, I I promise you this, you don't hear that from that old saint on that deathbed. Oh, if we could only learn from those who have lived a little bit of life. If we weren't so prideful and if we weren't so self-conscious, if it wasn't all about us, we may be able to learn something. And I think what we'd learn is this. When we come to that place, this cross, it's time to get off the broad road. Boy, just give it all up. Just say, Lord, it's it's uh, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need. A prayer, I need your son, I need your salvation, I need your forgiveness. Forgive me and come into my life and be my savior. You say, well, I won't be able to do certain things I've been, you're right, you won't. You shouldn't. You know who will be better for it? You. You know who will be better for it? Your family. You know who will be better for it? Your society, your culture, your world in which you live. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Will you receive him today? If you haven't already, will you receive him? But as a believer, let me ask you, could it be possible that although you're on the narrow road, you've been tempted to think that you're missing something on the broad? Maybe I, maybe I would like to have a little more fun, a little more excitement. I'm missing out being on that road, and you have a tendency to kind of sneak back over, although you're not on it, but you try to live like you're on it. Maybe it's time that we recommit ourselves to the cross, to the one who hung on it, that we say, you know what, Lord, I have allowed myself to stray, to deviate, to distance myself from what I know to be true from your word. And I bought into some of the lies. I don't want to do that no more. I'm just going to commit myself afresh and anew to you. So maybe you're lost, never trusted Christ. You're on the broad road. You need to get on the narrow, come to the cross. By the way, Jesus isn't on it anymore. He's alive and well. Seated at the right hand of the Father to make intercession on your behalf. Won't you cry out to him, call out to him, receive and accept him as your Savior today. Someone can help you in just a moment from the word of God and show you how you can do that. And if you're a child of God and you've allowed yourself to buy into the lies that somehow it's better on the broad road than it is the narrow, let's recommit ourselves back to the the road of the cross and the Savior that died for us. Father, we come to you. We thank you for your love and grace. May we all be addicted to the ministry of the saints. Addicted to the word of God and the right things, not the wrong things. Father, help us. We're watching homes and families and relationships be destroyed by sin. We're watching our country deteriorate. We're trying to redefine the word of God and what it means and what marriages and what relationships are and everything else. Lord, every time we turn around and try to do something better than you did, it always comes out, works out wrong, and turns out bad. May you help us. If there's someone on that broad road, may they see the cross plain and clear. May they recognize the blood that was shed on their behalf, the sacrifice that was made. Realize that you, Lord Jesus, alone paid for their sin, atoned for their sin. If they'll simply call on you, you'll forgive and save them, and you'll move into their life. You'll be their Savior, and you'll even provide them a reservation in heaven. May they settle that today. And for the believer, may we get as far away from the broad road as possible. May you help us to recommit ourselves afresh and anew to you, realizing that you're sparing us the consequences of sin, not withholding the pleasures of it. We'll thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.